Well, I would like in in. Include, to include in our conversation right now, somebody who's been a, a frequent guest on our show here in the past. Um, we're just del- It's been a while since he's been back around again, and we're just delighted to have him with us. That's because he's all over the place, whether it's London or Melbourne, Australia. Our friend Richard Steenan, who is here with us right now, is an expert in cybersecurity. And Richard, thank you so much for joining us on our show today. Always a pleasure, Foster. Well, one of the reasons, folks, that um, among other things that we want to have you with us is that um, recently there's been a lot of talk leading up to the American elections, which are going to be taking place in less than 30 days, um, that uh, foreign nations, particularly Russia, have been involved in, shall we say, blatantly trying to sabotage the process. Um, and I wanted to get, I know that you had an article or some comments, as a matter of fact, that came out uh, uh, Friday, October the 14th, in The Guardian, which is a British publication, I believe. Um, and uh, they were about the, about the nature of those kinds of attacks. So first of all, can we clear the decks here? Are we under attack? Is, it, is there a direct attack on behalf of Russian agents, hackers, if you will, of our election process? And if so, what is it? So I think the allegations are really strong that that is indeed the case, but it's more of the, the you know level of uh, information warfare um, rather than the actual hacking or trying to change the results. Okay. So so it's it's serious. It's unprecedented. Uh, I never would have thought that we'd get to this point. Really, here we are. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, because really. it's a disinformation process, isn't it really, in some ways? And disinformation yeah, been, has been going on for a long for a time. While. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if, you know, if you think about any political process, it's information warfare between both sides. We're seeing that play out between the two camps. Yeah. Uh, but for a, for a nation to start meddling with it, in, in particular, what's happened is that uh, first the uh, Democratic National Conventions, uh, email servers mm-hmm. were hacked and stolen, and then the emails were leaked. Uh, and then um, one of Hillary's advisors' emails were leaked most recently, and also the Democratic National uh, Congressional Committee's emails were leaked. So it's pretty targeted against and looking for embarrassing things that will come out of you know internal emails inside mm-hmm. the Democratic uh, campaigns. Well, Richard, let me ask you a question. This is Cal. And, and normally, whenever I hear about hacking and stuff like that, it's generally for some sort of financial gain. What is the gain other than disruption that comes from this? Why would why would a foreign entity want to do something like this? It's always hard to delve into this world. Um, there's always so many stories within stories and motivations within motivations. Uh, but most people are you know, talked about the fact that one, Putin has a horrible relation with uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, some mm. of the you know, things she's done and said, um, and obviously he thinks that the uh, Trump presidency would be better for uh, whatever his purposes are, which are pretty nefarious if you dig into them. Um, so I think that would be the benefit, right? So it's, it's you know, change in control of uh, the geopolitical scene. And that's tried. Nobody's ever tried that before, though. Well, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, the U.S. has been guilty of that in a number of occasions. At least in this country, <laughs> it's it's hasn't been since 1782 yeah, yeah, or something, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, probably the first time was 
you know, after uh, Washington was elected. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's maybe the only time that we haven't had meddling. But is, there, yeah. is there any way to protect from this, or is this just going to be something we're going to have to live with and, and learn how to sort through the information stream with a grain of salt? Yeah, you know, um, first of all, everyone always has to be protecting themselves against hacking all the time, and we're finding out that uh, politicians and their organizations are very poorly protected, right? It's it's become very easy for uh, people to grab email accounts, etc., and, and obviously they're not using strong two-factor authentication as is freely available with most of the public mm-hmm. email servers. Mm-hmm. Um, even Podesta's uh, Twitter account was hacked after his, you know, uh, email address and password had been revealed publicly. He still didn't go back and change the password. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So he's yeah. just, you know, so, not following good practices. So, you know, there's a lot of people that just think he deserves it, right, for creating a, a, a non-secure password, not going back and changing it even after it was, you know, publicly announced. You know, what are people thinking yeah, you know, well, we don't want to ever get involved in victim blaming, even though we do it in the cyber arena all the time. That's but, true, and and um, it's because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are, if you do it too loudly, you know, if we did it on this show, um, <laughs> then we might be the next victims. Right? Oh yeah, so for, so we're not doing that, right? We're not, <laughs> right. We don't want to be the next victims. Of course, you know, you have to look at it from a different viewpoint too. You're you're going to get a group of people together for a political campaign. Let's say it's running for the presidency. So you're getting all these massive amounts of volunteers, people who don't necessarily have to be responsible for anything. You're putting together a machine that's only going to run for a short period of time. So you got these companies that, yeah, they'll put you up a server to get you all going, but they don't really have a strong vested in interest in a long-term mm. commitment in mm. some cases, not all the time, but in some cases. So everything is so loose uh, people who have passwords don't necessarily uh, on, in, in that particular ecosystem don't necessarily have any responsibility after a couple of years because they're just volunteering to do this anyway. Yeah, well, that, that's a great point. It'd be really difficult for a major campaign to institute the kind of controls that they would need to be secure against this. But the one control that we can all do is never, ever put in an email something that you don't want to appear on the front page of the New York Times. <laughs> That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Expect whatever you put in an email. And Gary, you've, you said it for years. <clears throat> we have here. Uh, Mike, I'm sure you saw it, too. Whatever you put in an email has the potential for showing up anywhere. anywhere. Yeah, but anywhere. even 11 years later. Yeah, that yes, stuff exactly. never goes away. It has a long yeah. shelf life. Yeah. yeah, but what keeps someone from fabricating fake email? Well, that's another thing that happens is, uh, what does this do to our trust of what we're seeing as? Yeah, I mean, if truth, someone, if if someone says, "Yeah, we got these; these were leaked to us and stuff like that." Well, was it leaked because they got it from an actual email, or did they fabricate email and then leak it? You know, you yeah. can't. How do you tell the difference? Because there's no authentication on an email exactly. piece that I know of. Is that correct? Um. So unless they're already digitally signed and you've got the original encrypted email, yeah. no. The uh, the one protection we have harps back to an institution that's uh, older than the country, and that's journalists who are going to corroborate the information in leaked emails, the damaging ones. And we've seen the New York Times doing that recently with 
a bunch of leaks they received, you know, through the post of all things. <laughs> and luckily, the journalists actually checked their mailbox one day and, hey, what's this? Um, but they called a bunch of people and corroborated that in the, oh, this was uh, Trump's tax returns and corroborated that, yep, those were the real thing. So, well, and and that, what you've got there, though, is the, the challenge to our news gathering mechanisms. You know, it, it's changing the way we look at news, I think, and what we trust and don't trust in news. And I think that's part of the fallout as well. Richard Steenen is our guest, our cybersecurity expert. We're coming back and talking about the impact on our elections. Welcome to the Internet Advisor Podcast. Foster Brown here, the co-host of the program, along with Gary Baker. And uh, by the way, I'll take just a moment to extend our sincerest sympathies to Ed Rudell and his family as they mourn the passing of his mother. Um, Ed this weekend is not with us because he is up north and they um, are having the funeral for his mother, Jean, who passed away this week uh, from some long-term illness that she had had. Um, Eddie, our hearts go out to you and to your family as well and look forward to having you back here, but also remember you in the and losing both my parents over a number of years, I can certainly relate to the pain that's there. And mm-hmm. we have that sympathy with you as well. Yep. Okay. And uh, Cal Carson's here with us. And Mike Brennan is also in studio with us, along with online. We have Richard Steenen, who is a longtime friend of ours, a cybersecurity expert in many, many different fields. And uh, we're talking about the impact of, of the tampering with our election process by, uh, uh, by the Russians as one party involved in it. Mike, you had a comment offline that I want you to make now as what's going to be the biggest, if you will, cost to this? Well, it's the doubt factor. Uh, they, what they're, I think, from what I can ascertain, and I'll defer to Richard, he's much more expert in this area than I, but certainly what I ascertain is that it's the whole, uh, let's create doubt in their minds that because Trump keeps saying the system is rigged, right? Right. And early on when the race was really tight, if, say, for instance, Clinton would have won by a couple of points, then he could go back and just say, well, the system is rigged, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore. Mm. But but certainly you have to also distinguish that what's being attacked is the voter registration databases and not the voting machines. Voting machines are largely offline, and there's a gazillion of them. Everybody, right. every county, state, you wouldn't name it, uses a different system, and mm. they're really not connected to the Internet. But, it, but the, certainly the voter registration databases are, because I just went in on this latest attack just to check my own registration to make sure I was still registered, right? Oh, wow. And so I checked it, and I, and I was. Can you, you can do that as a citizen? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, it's easy to do, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're you're right. They would have to hack into so many different places. Hundreds of thousands of and, them. You know? you know, they know that X number of people should be voting in this precinct, and if, you know, 200 people more vote in that precinct, they're going to go, wait a minute, what's going on? Right. Right? And it's going to, it's really difficult to, um, to affect the, um, the actual results of the election. But the databases, those are online and some are easier than others. Um, one of the, the ones that I heard about that's, that's a lot of concern is around Florida. You know, they had the dangling chads. Oh, the hanging have, chads. They oh, don't want to have Lord, dangling yes. chads anymore, but, but <laughs> digital the chad, database, right? Yeah. <laughs> digital chads, huh, Richard? Yeah. <laughs> well, Richard knows Eugene Kaspersky. We should invite Eugene on the show. What do you think, oh, Richard? <laughs> yeah, hey, as long as you guys are get, 
willing to deal with the consequences. <laughs> uh, no, thanks. Um, I remember one time. change every form of identification you have yeah. digitally. <laughs> I remember one time we called you, Richard, uh, to talk about Stuxnet, and uh, I ended up waking you up in the middle of the day. Yes. Well, the middle of our day. It was the middle of your night. You were in Melbourne at the time, and, yes. and you said, uh, yeah, I'll come on, but I think uh, I'll bring my traveling companion with me since he was the former CIA director, Michael, <laughs> General Michael Hayden. Uh, and uh, the two of you came on that weekend and talked to us about Stuxnet. So you are all over the world. Now, Richard, you, you authored a book called uh, There Will Be Cyber War. Is this essentially what's going on right now with cyber war? Uh, it's certainly a, an aspect. It's not the aspect to cover my book, which is mostly military. Right, right. Um, so, but it, it's a continuation, really, of my first book, which was Surviving Cyber War, where I documented the rise of Russian hacking you know, for political purposes. So, if you had Estonia in 2007, mm-hmm. uh, the country of Georgia in 2009, uh, Ukraine last uh, Christmas when their power was taken down, supposedly by Russian hackers. Uh, it seems to be just a continuation of that evolution. Is is this an outgrowth of the FSB former KGB? Hmm. Well, uh, certainly the you know the the KGB when they're essentially disbanded, um, and of course that's the Russian Secret Service. Okay. The, Okay. Yeah, um, they went on to form the Russian Business Network, so they had a lot of operatives that got into cyber crime, and are some of the most powerful cyber criminals. And so the big worry has always been, hey, you've got this the country Russia that actually is host to very powerful cyber criminal networks, uh, who could take their skills and start applying them to nation state kind of stuff, which we appear to be experiencing right now. Right now. And guess who the head of the KGB was at one time? He's now the Russian president, right? Yeah. So So a lot of his friends there, he's got the connections. Now, we haven't talked yet about the news that Fox News, or NBC broke last night, which is that the CIA has been tasked with coming up with a proportional response Uh, to hacking. Uh, which lends credence to the attribution, right? If the government's actually going to do something about it, then mm-hmm. they must uh, be, you know, seriously know that the uh, Russians were involved. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, now we're in a, a big debate: is what could they do? You know, how will they do it? <laughs> what will it be? You know, they're going to show their hand. CIA has never been implicated in any hacking mm-hmm. before that I know of. So, if all of a sudden that happens and the CIA takes credit for it, it opens up a whole new realm for us to watch. And the way things work, they don't have to take credit for anything. The Russians could just say what happened in X place was the doing of the CIA. And to a certain extent, I think one of the victims, if you will, here is the confidence we have in the information we get. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you think they're going to do, Reggie? What do you think the our, our friends at that uh, three, three-lettered agency are going to do? Um, I think uh, proportionate response would be to dox uh, Russian oligarchs and and, uh, and Putin himself. Doxing, of course, is publishing documents that uh, he thought were private. Uh-huh. Um, and that would be similar to you know leaking emails in our own elections, right? So, mm-hmm. But if you think about it, what in the world could embarrass Putin? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you wonder. <laughs> Does anything have the ability to uh, embarrass them? Yeah. I mean, well, other than if he, well, I can't even imagine, you know, it's, so, um, 
we can watch what happens. It's going to be very interesting. It's it, kind of a heyday for those of us who like to write about this stuff. You know, it does seem interesting that we would publicly say that uh, that the president has tasked the CIA to go hack in at Russia. Well, because oh, the yeah. elections are right around the corner. Well, I mean, you know, we've never done that before. The CIA doesn't let anybody know what. I was going to say they don't telegraph their moves normally. Yeah. So right. what's going Never. on? It's so like that telegraphing it, a covert operation. It's like yeah. no, nobody ever does that. But I think <laughs> it's reassurance. Don't look, don't look as like two years. I think don't. it's the credibility factor. I think the president's yes. doing this because the elections are three weeks away, and he's trying to reassure everybody that everything is cool. It's not really something, and we know where it's coming from, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but and so don't, even don't if we don't know where. Uh, when uh, uh, Sanger over at the New York Times got extraordinary access to the White House to report on Stuxnet, um, that was only a couple of months before uh, the 2000 and what was it? I can't uh, remember, but before an election. 2008, so it, I think. Yeah. yeah. Gary? 2008. So it really demonstrated uh, <laughs> um, some, uh, I guess, important capabilities and was leaked at a very interesting time. And yet they attempted to prosecute. Uh, leak, find leakers and prosecute them in that case. We haven't heard any news today about trying to track down who leaked this information to NBC. Well, you know uh. something when people say, well, why would they do this just before an election or anything like that? Have you ever heard the term? Have you ever played a game called poker? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you bluff mm. yeah. in order to get someone else to reveal their hand. And even if it didn't, if we can't prove that it, uh, the original hacker that... that uh, well, we know that that there we know are, it's the Russians. We mean, know there are people yeah. in Russia trying to hack right. in different places. But whether we know that it was the Russians or not that that hacked into the uh, Democratic National Committee or or some or Hillary's or some of the other um, leaks oh. that have happened, oh, yeah. we're going after them anyway. But we were going after them anyway. Well, that's exactly before it. that yeah. happened. So exactly. it's like all theater so there's of the absurd. No, so there's nothing so really new. So exactly. I don't think so. Yeah. so what's new here? And, and I'm not sure we could prove it or not prove it. Doesn't matter. We're still going after them. Yeah. Right? You know, one of the things that's in the article uh, from the Guardian uh, that I thought was kind of interesting was the statement that um, when the U.S. fights back, internet users will need to watch out for digital fallout. What do you think that could be? Trying to sell well, papers. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. So as soon as <laughs> as soon as a digital weapon is used, as as in this case with Stuxnet, yeah. everybody gets access to it immediately. That's true. Right? The, right. the researchers find it. Kaspersky will find it. Um, so that's one area of fallout. The other is if there's massive DDoS attacks going on. One disturbing. Uh, evolution in the DDoS world of you know distributed denial service attacks was the use of CCTV systems that were massively infected and over a million and a half of them used to DDoS Brian Krebs's website. So Brian's a blogger who writes about. Oh yes, Russian you know, hey, Richard, hang on to that one. When we come back, um, we got a Homeland Security uh, alert. That referenced that. And we'll talk with that a little bit in just a moment after this break, okay? Richard Steenin is our guest here. Hang on, we got more to go. Welcome. This is a special podcast for the Internet Advisor. Glad to have you all with us. And uh, with me in studio, Gay Baker. 
Kel Carson and uh, Mike Brennan, who is here normally at this time of the show to talk about uh, your headlines for MI Tech News. Also on the phone with us is uh, Richard Steenen, who is a longtime friend of ours and an expert in cybersecurity. We've been talking about um, the impact of the, the Russians' uh, uh, impact on us. And let me do this. I want to do your headlines, Mike, but I want to follow up on something that uh, Richard referred to just before we went to the break. And Richard, I'm going to uh, bring this in. This was just, matter of fact, Mike, you were the one who brought it to our attention. Uh, Homeland Security just re- was it yesterday, I think it was. No, today. Or was it just today? Yeah, just this morning. Um, released a uh, uh, heightened DDoS threat posed by Mirai and other botnets. And uh, it refers to something that you talked about, Richard, just before we went to the break, which was um, in September, on September 20th of this year, Brian Krebs' security blog was targeted by a massive DDoS attack, one of the largest on record, exceeding, I, this, this is blowing my mind, 620 gigabytes per second. That's a huge, huge, huge attack. Yeah. <clears throat> Biggest one to date. And you got to ask, you know, if, you know, Brian Krebs's enemies are pretty much, uh, you know, cyber criminals, right? He's the one that he exposes them all the time. Mm-hmm. They hate him and they do nasty things to him. So why would you burn, to use an intelligence term, burn this ability by uh, exposing it to the world when you could use it profitably somewhere uh, in a, you know, sure. a extortion attack? Or... If you were, say, Russia and had this uh, open to you, it would be a shot across the bow. Don't try to retaliate for the hacking that, mm. that we're doing because we will shut off the the DNS servers and the Internet will be gone while we're doing it. Now, it t- what's the significance, it. Richard, step back a second for our listeners. What would be the significance of shutting down the DNS servers? First of all, so what, the are DNS- the DNS- what, are, what are they and what's the significance of that? Yeah, so the DNS servers are what resolves when you type in google.com or internetadvisor.com. Right. Uh, it resolves that into the IP address, so it allows your browser to find the content you're looking for. Okay. It, without them, all you got is IP addresses. So super critical infrastructure for the Internet. Pretty much run the, the .com and I think .org are run by uh, VeriSign. And they get DDoS constantly. Mm-hmm hundreds of millions of hits uh, during some of their big attacks, mm-hmm. but they built in the capacity to absorb them yep. and, you know, only, and have only been taken down for short periods. But a 600-gigabyte attack might be what all that's required to do that. And the other thing about that, I understand, at least in this uh, Homeland Security thing, Mike, uh, one of the notes in there was this was an Internet of Things attack that was powered by the Mirai malware is there, are you familiar with that the, the term Mirai malware? Yeah, so it, it's malware that's infected these uh, CCTVs that people use for their you know, your home defense kind of thing. Oh, closed circuit televisions. Okay, that's what you're talking yep. about. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and you they, know, the real they, problem... They happen all to be listening on the, the ports you need to tell that into them, so it's easy for a worm to spread amongst them. And the real problem, Richard, is that when we plug in, you know, our lamp or, you know, the our door or something we just we don't change the default password because who's yep. going to hack into our lamp and turn our lights yeah. on well exactly. what they do is they hack in and use it as a bot to go after isn't that the problem that's exactly the problem yep. uh, is there anything we now 
I know that the I, it was interesting. I noticed, uh, uh, Mike, uh, then in the back end of this thing, uh, the Homeland Security offers preventive steps that you can take on this. Um, and again, uh, is there any kind of a basic, uh, Richard, from your point of view, as somebody who's looked at this cybersecurity issue, is there any kind of a, if you will, for everybody who's listening here, something basic that we could all do, regardless of where we are in terms of uh, our, our skill and use, et cetera, that would be a great first step in making ourselves secure? Well, Gary mentioned the one. Definitely change the default password. Yeah, it's um, number one on the list, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that, you know, and then most of the other things on the list are beyond most people's capacity, right? You can't right. monitor your network for this kind of traffic mm-hmm. uh, if you're a home user. Um, so, you know, eventually you're going to be able to start looking when you purchase a device, you know, you know, look at it security controls, and the people who sell them are going to build those in. But we're a couple of years away from that, unfortunately. Um, you know, it, the, the these types of things could be handled easily by the network providers, so your Comcast could be filtering this traffic out in the first place. Ah. Uh, and they should probably start thinking about doing that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Cal? You know, perhaps probably another good idea, too, is that these uh, manufacturers of these devices that come with these default passwords on them, uh, they should probably set them up. You know, more and more of them have setup routines that when you get them, you take them out the box and you walk a couple of steps to configure them. If they would force you to change that password, that default password in that right. setup, that would probably cut down on a lot of that stuff. Because the old, the, yeah. the old uh, on on raw modems wasn't the old was was admin. Yeah, everybody had the same password to get in or nothing, yeah. nothing at all. Yeah, yeah and and right now you could you know if you probably. You know, go through your neighborhood, and if you yeah. turn on your Wi-Fi, if you don't see that little lock, nine times out of ten, if you can identify the manufacturer of that uh, uh, router, right. you can probably get into it without any problem at all. Okay. Let's wrap things up, Rich, with you. And just looking ahead to our election coming up, um, what's going to be the greatest casualty here, looking ahead? And well, you're talking about from a cybersecurity standpoint? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's not talk about the bigger consequences. <laughs> just, just, just wanted to clarify. <laughs> well, you know, if they do know something, I sure the heck want to go to Vegas and put some odds on it. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to say that the the benefit is, you know, we're going to learn from this, but the 2008 campaign, both McCain and Obama's campaigns were hacked and emails were stolen. Um, so that's eight years ago. Yeah. So obviously the campaigns haven't learned, uh, but... The difference now is that we have DHS, who is very actively involved mm-hmm. in, you know, rooting out problems and trying to fix them. So I think going forward, we're, we're actually going to be in a better position than we were this year. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, you know, it's like the gloves are off. And if there's a, you know, if the target of these particular campaigns, Hillary Clinton is elected, um, she's going to have to deal with, uh, you know, the further fallout of poor relations with Russia. Mm, okay, okay. Richard, would it be safe to say that uh, just like in business and commerce, uh, these political campaigns won't really take strong measures to protect against this sort of stuff until the cost becomes expensive for them? Yeah, sad reality, but I think you're right, Cal. Ah, ah. Oh, boy. I, I, you know, the factor of Hillary's, uh, if you will, past history with Putin is something I don't think I'd ever considered. But um, 
I was watching um, oh, one of the news services, which, and I can <laughs> stay with them if I can. Uh, but one of the things was there was a certain smugness about the Russian, I forget which official they were talking about, who was kind of saying, go ahead, make my day. <laughs> it's kind of like Dirty Harry. <laughs> you know, saying, go ahead, make my day. Uh, and, and, and the implication was, whatever you bring down, you better be ready because we'll come right back with that and more. And um, is this any different than, you know, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis or any other? Well, that's a very good Any question. other confrontation. The only difference is rather than using nuclear weapons, we're using cyber. It's a massive poker game. Yeah. A massive poker game. Richard, thanks so much for being with us. It's going to be interesting this week to see what some of the topics of discussion are. Mike, you're going to be able to talk about that when we come back in this next hour. If you can stick around for that, please do. We're talking with uh, Mike Brennan about his headlines and also about his being at the North American International Cybersecurity Summit that's going to be taking place. Richard, thank you so much for being here and kind of making this a security summit for us on the Internet Advisor. As always, it's good talking with you. Take care of yourself. Thank you, Buster. All right, bye.